Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast, book 14, chapter 4. The description of the storm in this chapter seems so visceral to me. Have you ever read something that evoked the same level of palpable discomfort before? Petra obviously misinterprets Denisov's cold tone. Why in the world would Denisov care what his family friend looks like? Do you think this misunderstanding will lead to any conflict between the two characters? And do you think Denisov will capture the French cavalry supplies and free the Russian prisoners he is chasing? Ripster 66 says, I'm finally caught up after taking a break. I hope I can keep with a chapter a day from now on. Yes, welcome back, and I hope you can as well. It's interesting to me that Tolstoy didn't describe the storm itself. He describes how the men tried to deal with the cold water soaking through their clothes, their irritability, the horses' coats, etc. You could feel that bone-chilling rain through those descriptions. I don't know if Petcher's misunderstanding will lead to any conflict. I read it more like Petcher's youth and naivety still influencing his understanding of people and the world around him. I hope Denisov gets to capture the supplies, but I'm a little confused why he's set on doing it himself and not jo- joining forces with the Polish general or the German. I mean, is it to keep the supplies for themselves? Does he think too many soldiers will mess it up? It feels like the Russian army is getting in its own way by breaking into groups, even though Tolstoy spent a whole chapter on why this is supposedly a good thing. I don't buy it. I think Tolstoy did explain why. I think it's because they're chasing clout, or they're chasing commendations. So he doesn't want to team up to do this thing. He wants to do it himself, so that him and his lot get all the recognition. They know that the French are on the back foot, and they know that if they launch an attack against well, any any little band of French that they can find, they're most likely going to be victorious because the French are so weak. And, you know, if you attack and gain a victory, you're probably going to get some kind of a commendation. So, I think that that's why. I'm not really sure, but I think that's why he wants to do it by himself. Anyway, I'm going to dive into chapter 5 now. goes like this. The rain had stopped and only the mist was falling, and drops from the trees. Denisov, the Esau, and Petra rode silently, following the peasant in the knitted cap, who, stepping lightly with outturned toes and moving noiselessly in his bastard shoes over the roots and wet leaves, silently led them to the edge of the forest. He ascended in an incline, stopped, looked about him, and advanced to where the screen of trees was less dense. On reaching a large oak tree that had not yet shed its leaves, he stopped and beckoned mysteriously to them with his hand. Denisov and Petra rode up to him. From the spot where the peasant was standing, they could see the French. Immediately beyond the forest, on a downward slope, lay a field of spring rye. To the right, beyond a steep ravine, was a small village and a landowner's house with a broken roof, in the village, in the house, in the garden, by the well, by the pond, over the, all the rising ground, and all along the road, uphill from the bridge, leaning to the village, not more than five hundred yards away, crowds of men could be seen through the shimmering mist. Their un-Russian shouting at their horses, which were straining uphill with the carts, and their calls to one another could be clearly heard. Bring the prisoner here, said Denisov in a low voice, not taking his eyes off the French. A Cossack dismounted, lifted the boy down and took him to Denisov. Pointing to the French troops, Denisov asked him what these and those of them were. The boy, thrusting his cold hands into his pockets, 
and lifting his eyebrows, looked at Denisov in affright. But in spite of an evident desire to say all he knew, gave confused answers, merely assenting to everything. Denisov asked him. Denisov turned away from him, frowning, and addressed the assault, conveying his own conjectures to him. Petra, rapidly turning his head, looked now at the drummer boy, now at Denisov, now at the assault, and now at the French in the village and along the road, trying not to miss anything of importance. Whether Dolokhov comes or not, we must seize it, hey? said Denisov with a merry sparkle in his eyes. It's a very suitable spot, said the assault. We'll send the infantry down by the swamps, said Denisov. They'll creep up to the garden. You will wide up from there with the Cossacks. He pointed to a spot in the forest beyond the village. And I, with my hussars, from here. And at the signal shot, the hollow is impassable. There's a swamp there, said the assault. The horses will sink. We must ride round more to the left. While they were talking in undertones, the crack of a shot sounded from the low ground. By the pond, a puff of white smoke appeared, then another, and the sound of hundreds of seemingly merry French voices shouting together came up from the slope. From a, for a moment, Denisov and the assault drew back. They were so near that they thought they were the cause of the firing and the shouting, but the firing and the shouting did not relate to them. Down below, a man wearing something red was running through the marshes. The French were evidently firing and shouting at him. Why, that's our Ticon, said the assault. So it is, it is. The waskel, said Denisov. He'll get away, said the assault, screwing up his eyes. The man whom they called Ticon, having run to the stream, plunged in so that the water splashed in the air and having disappeared for an instant, scrambled out on all fours all black with the wet, and ran on. The French who had been pursuing him stopped. Smart, that, said the assault. What a beast, said Denisov, with his former look of vexation. What has he been doing all this time? Who is he? asked Pitcher. He's our plastoon. I sent him to catch her a tongue. Ah, oh, yes, said Pitcher, nodding at the first words Denisov uttered, as if he understood it all, though he really did not understand anything of it. Tikhon Sherbati was one of the most indispensable men in their band. He was a peasant from Pokrovsk, near the river Gzart. When Denisov had come to Pokrovsk at the beginning of his operations and had a usual summoned the village, as usual summoned the village elder and asked him what he knew about the French, the elder, as though shielding himself, had replied, as all village elders did, that he had neither seen nor heard anything of them, but... When Denisov explained that his purpose was to kill the French, and asked if no French had strayed that way, the older replied that some more orderers had really been at their village, but that Tikhon Shabati was the only man who dealt with such matters. Denisov and Tikhon called, and sorry, Denisov had Tikhon called and having praised him for his activity, said a few words in the elder's presence about loyalty to the Tsar and the country, and the hatred of the French, that all sons of the fatherland should cherish. We don't do the French any harm, said Tikhon, evidently frightened by Denisov's words. We only fooled about with the lads for fun, you know. We killed a score or so of marauders, but we did no harm anyone else. Next day, when Denisov had left Pok... Pokorovsk, having quite forgotten about this peasant, it was reported to him that Tikhon had attached himself to their party, 
and asked to be allowed to remain with it. Denisov gave orders to let him do so. Tikhon, who at first did rough work, laying campfires, fetching water, flaying dead horses and so on, soon showed a great liking and aptitude for partisan warfare. At night he would go out for booty and always brought back French clothing and weapons, and when told to and when told to would bring in French captives also. Denisov then relieved him from drudgery and began taking him with him when he went out on expeditions and had him enrolled among the Cossacks. Tikhon did not like riding and always went on foot, never lagging behind the cavalry. He was armed with a musketoon, which he carried rather as a joke. <coughs> Excuse me. A pike and an axe, which latter he used as a wolf uses its teeth with equal ease, picking fleas out of its fur or crunching thick bones. Tikhon, with equal accuracy, would split logs with blows at arm's length, or holding the head of the axe would cut thin little pegs or carve spoons. In Denisov's party he held a peculiar and exceptional position. When anything particularly difficult or nasty had to be done, to push a cart out of the mud with one's shoulders, pull a horse out of a swamp by its tail, skin it, slink it among the French, or walk more than thirty miles in a day, everybody pointed laughingly at Tikhon. It won't hurt that devil, he's as strong as a horse, they said of him. Once a Frenchman Tikhon was trying to capture, fired a pistol at him and shot him in the fleshy part of the back. That wound, which Tikhon treated only with internal and external applications of vodka, was the subject of the liveliest jokes by the whole detachment, jokes in which Tikhon readily joined. Hello, mate, never again. Gave you a twist, the Cossacks would banter him, and Tikhon, purposely writhing and making faces, pretended to be angry and swore at the French with the funniest curses. The only effect of this incident on Tikhon was that after being wounded he seldom brought in prisoners. He was the bravest and most useful man in the party, no one found more opportunities for attacking, no one captured or killed more Frenchmen, and consequently he made, he was made the buffoon of the all the Cossacks and Hussars, and willingly accepted that role. Now, he had been sent by Denisov overnight to Shamshevo to capture a tongue, but whether because he had not been content to take only one Frenchman, or because he had slept through the night, he had crept by day into some bushes right among the French, and, as Denisov had witnessed from above, had been detected by them. Alright, there we go, another chapter for you. Tikhon. One of the coolest characters in the book. Total badass. It's just a shame he comes into the book so late. But he's very, very cool. Alright. Thank you very much for listening to that. I'll see you tomorrow.